You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and we did it, guys. We did it. We made it out of 2018. Woohoo! Well done. I'm proud of you all. We made it. It was fantastic. And now that we're in 2019, you know it's all been fixed. Everything is better. New year. None of the problems from last year are going to come back and haunt us. We've got a whole new pattern of new things. To t- yeah. <laughs> we made it out of 2018. And here's 2019. With all the same crap waiting for us. Waiting right there on January numero uno. So yes, we did survive the past year. But we're going to have to survive this present year that we're moving into. But the good news is not everything is crazy. We've got an interview today with author Daryl Smith that I think you're going to enjoy. Because I actually really enjoyed the talk that we had. So Daryl, not crazy, but I've still got plenty of crazy before we hop into the choice cut meat of the hour. And you know, when I start talking about crazy and Christians, that's when we have the Christian crazy of the week. Here we go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. Okay, so you know how I said last year's crazy is kind of carrying itself over (laughs) into this year? Because, you know, people don't really change that much as time goes on. But the wonderful thing. Okay, so we step into this new year, 2019. Where are we at here, right? (laughs) It's the same. It's the same old stuff. It's the same old stuff from last year. We, we, We carry forward into a new year with a government shutdown. And we've got Trump throwing tantrums. This sounds like 2018 a lot, doesn't it? Yes. And we've got the obsession of the religious right. And how all of that comes to a confluence is this. We're going to listen to a few prophets before we get to the big daddy of the crazy hour this week. So when you want crazy, there is no better place. Then to talk to, well, not really talk to, you really just listen to Prophetess Kat Kerr. Prophetess Kat Kerr, she's a thing. That's the nicest thing I could say. Yeah, she's the thing on the internet. And guess what? You know, when I, when I get my prophets, I expect them to talk about God. And when most of these religious right prophets talk, they talk about Trump. So maybe Trump is their God? I don't know. But, you know, for prophecies for this next year, there's a lot of Trump talk. Don't believe me? 
listen to what good old Kat has to say, and we'll debrief on it. Yes, I'm going to talk about Trump in 2020. It's a given. He's winning. It doesn't matter who rises against him, who the other side picks. None of it matters. They're wasting their time, wasting their money. God has chosen Trump, and yes, he will sit in the White House for eight years. So, you know, remember when I said that she's a prophet, not like a Fox News pundit. No, no, no. This is prophecy. This is, this is folks wanting to hear from God, and they hear... Trump, 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 Trump. I mean, seriously, what is this? What is, I don't even really know what this is, but it, it sure is funny to make fun of. So I really don't want to hold back the fun at all. So cat, keep going. Go cat, go. So that should not be your number one uh, concern about anything in this country. As far as the wall goes, it will be built. It doesn't matter to me whether it's now or in the next four years, that doesn't matter. So if you're keeping score, and I know you're not, but I'm telling you, you absolutely, you 100% should keep score. Because especially when we have these like little, these crazy like religious right prophets that are out there talking and saying this is going to happen. And this time, I really think we need to start keeping score here. So, so far, Kat's already dropped uh, on us. What? We're going to get, uh, what? Eight years of Trump total. Got it. The wall going to happen. Got it. So really, I, f I feel like it's it's not just an accounting. It's it's really just accountability. Because actually, you know, we're doing this out of love. Because folks like you, Kat, we want you to be the best prophets possible, right? You're the mouthpiece for God. So we just want to make sure, you know, it's kind of like resistance training. So seriously, seriously, we may need to circle back on this. Let's see how well her propheticness is and how this is no different than what is it like uh tarot card reading and all of that other kind of bs really so cat how are you different i don't know i don't even care <laughs> but let's continue with the fun i do know that god has chosen trump he gave him a list of to-do things and he's behind him 100 percent. you're going to see such switches and changes i'm just letting you know in the democratic party especially you will see it the impossible will be possible. We, true Americans, okay, the moral majority, the ones who have supported Trump all this time, and let me tell you, it's been millions, regardless of what anyone has shown or said to you on the news. If you're not behind him, get behind him and be on the winning side on God's team. So 2020 is going to be a great, it's going to be in the news a lot. You're going to hear me talk about it a lot. I will be going to Capitol Hill several times during this next year. You see, I expect this kind of craziness from folks like Alex Jones, but come on, Cat Care, you're a prophet? You're speaking about God's word here in 2019, and I didn't hear a lot about God, really, in the midst of that, just about how much <laughs> all of you true patriots and Christians and whatever else you want to call yourself, that you guys are going to get so tired of winning in this next year. Oh my gosh, what a prophecy. It gives me hope that I'll have plenty more material for the Christian crazy. For now, until eternity. Praise Jesus. Praise him. Praise him. I'm on the winning team. You know, I mentioned a minute ago, I mentioned that name Alex Jones. And you know, Alex Jones, as insane 
as he is. I mean, he is a wonderful, like, carnival side act. I mean, I kind of feel like he's like a carny on the side, and actually apologies to all carnies out there, but really kind of, you know, carny on the side of politics and having a microphone and a camera and being able to operate those things. Yeah, yeah, that Alex Jones, that guy, that, yeah. If you don't know Alex Jones, just go ahead and count yourself as being very, very fortunate that you haven't wasted any brain space on him. So, typically, when we talk about the Christian crazy, Alex Jones is plenty crazy, but never enters into this. But, oh boy, yes, he will this week. Yes, he will. Alex, Alex, you've been a good boy. You made it to the Christian crazy. You know why? Because guess what? He had on his show evangelist, prophet, and professional charlatan Rodney Howard Brown. Rodney Howard Brown, you've been on here before too. Oh my goodness. It's so amazing that you've made it back on our list for the week because we had Alex Jones, crazy conspiracy theories, and Rodney Howard Brown, crazy prophecy theories. It's a match made in heaven. Let's just hope they don't make babies out of this sweet loving that they make together because I can't make this up. And again, I'll remind you, we have these pastors, evangelists, and prophets that like to speak a lot about Trump. I mean, if you're an evangelist or pastor or prophet, I think you'd be kind of talking about Jesus, gospel-y stuff, God kind of things. Oh, no. Oh, no. We have found our golden calf, our fat cow of an orange president, and we have emblazoned him in gold, and we will worship him until the end of time. All hail. Yes, what is this? So, yeah. Yeah, you think I'm getting crazier over this? Because I am. I'm a, I'm a little bit of, I don't know what you call like a negative fanboy, but I'm definitely something in that category. So, so listen to their interaction. It's beautiful. We're living in the final hour. The final grains of sand are coming through the hourglass. And as you know, all that has to happen for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. So your voice is important. That's obviously why they try to shut you up. But they're not going to shut you up, and they're not going to shut anyone up that will just stand up for righteousness and will proclaim. And uh, if something happens to us, there'll be many that will come on behind us and take our place. So, you know, it's uh, it's like the uh, Gideon's 300, you know, the army of 300. So Now I remind you here that Rodney is setting this whole thing up here as a compliment to Alex Jones. He's totally hitting on him here. Bromance! Continue, please. Um... Look, we're living in the final hour. You you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what's taking place. The censorship, the, the, the corruption in the highest levels of government. And as you said something which is so profound, uh, there's not atheists. These people at the highest levels worship Lucifer. And that's what people don't actually understand, that the agenda is actually driven really from the pits of hell. So, all right, Junior Rangers, every time you hear pits of hell, get out your notebook and write down that all of the left, all of the Democrats, and all of these people are being fueled by their satanic love and desires for anything anti-God, okay? That's what uh, Uncle Rodney told us, so if that's good enough for Uncle Rodney, it's good enough for us, all right? All right. So let's hear what else he has to say, his nuggets of wisdom. God gave America a last-minute reprieve with Trump, and he might not be an angel, but let me tell you, 
He's a wrecking ball. Even Soros just said it last week. He said Trump has almost destroyed the new world order. So you can see we actually are winning. You know, I've heard that a coping mechanism is to continue to tell yourself what you want to believe. And as long as you say it over and over and over again, you'll eventually believe it. We've heard it from Cat Kerr to Rodney Howard Brown. We're so tired of winning right now, right? We are winning. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. I don't even know who the we is and who's winning. I don't want to be on this team. But man, is it fun to sit back and kind of eat a little popcorn and watch the Titanic of the religious right go down oh i'll play a fiddle i'll play a fiddle and hang out while it happens <laughs> they are they are not winning they're losing they're oh yeah he told there. the new york times he's that and, and and people say oh trump's really new world order alex oh he's he's one of them no all hell has broke loose they are trying to destroy anyone that supports him you read the whole bible or history god always ends up raising up imperfect people like trump because he is stubborn like a mule and and and, and, and tough like a lion and 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 i know for a fact well you know him you prayed with him that trump was always pro-christian but now he really has felt the spirit he's she says i've changed i know this is a spiritual battle i've had private conversations with him about the energy in churches and how much he loves god and how we need to have religious freedom in america and i'm like he's brought this up to me many times and and he's not telling me what i want to hear trump gets it he really gets it he's right he's right i gotta give this alex jones Trump gets it. He, I don't really know what he gets. I mean, Kanye's told me many times that he has Trump has crazy dragon energy. Maybe that's why I don't understand any of this crazy dribble that they continue to spew over and over and over again. Maybe it's because I don't have dragon energy. I should have put that on Santa's wish list for me. Maybe I was naughty. I don't know. Who knows? But seriously, when we talk about Christian crazy of the week that I bring to you with such love and adoration, you know, I wouldn't leave you with just these like little choice morsels these little appetizers no 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 don't worry don't worry don't worry because we've got a good word from jerry falwell jr you know jerry falwell jr mr liberty university mr son of jerry falwell because that's kind of how the word junior works oh jerry falwell you're the lesser of the coattail riding privileged white religious kids oh come on he's the worst of them i mean think about this like in hierarchy of people that have really not earned their place especially to speak in christian circles let's let's think about so many of them we've got like franklin graham oh what did you do besides being born to a famous father Oh my goodness, Joel Osteen, oh, same thing, <laughs> Judas Smith, I could go on and on. And in the non-religious circle, we just got to go ahead and throw in Don Jr. for good measure because it's always good to hate on Don Jr. It's probably a pastime, and actually, if, even if you want to peel this back a little bit further, oh, 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 Jerry Faldwell Jr., you're the worst of the Jerrys out there. You're competing to beat Jerry Sandusky for the worst Jerry in the world. But, you know, you're about to get there. Anyone read the uh, recent <laughs> interview? Interview? Can we call it that interview? That Jerry did over with the Washington Post. 
where he laid out this beautiful, beautiful turd of a statement. <laughs> it's such a beautiful, shining turd of a statement that, you know what? It's both tone deaf and theologically deaf. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said this. He said, think about it. Why have Americans been able to do more to help people in need around the world uh, more than any other country in history? It's because of free enterprise, freedom, ingenuity, entrepreneurialism, and wealth. The poor person never gave anyone a job. A poor person never gave anybody charity. Not of any real volume. It's just common sense to me. So speaking on behalf of religious folks out there and also poor folks out there, f you! Seriously, fuck you. Yup, I done went out and brought in the sensor beep this early in the year. Oh, <laughs> what an honor. What an honor. Oh my gosh. All I can truly say in response to you, besides more profanities, is simply this. And this comes from Luke 21, 1 through 4. And Jesus said this. And he looked up and saw uh, the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. And it's amazing that a president of a religious university has no idea how to read scripture, and has no clue about the ways of Jesus. Now, I tell you all of that to bring you to this point. This interview that we're doing here with Daryl Smith, he's written a new book. We're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that we've kind of mentioned on this morning already, especially how to read the Bible appropriately. So without further ado, here we go with the interview. Daryl Smith is a teacher, a writer, and aspiring integral theologian who served in the Alamo Heights United Methodist Church family since 1999. He founded and serves as a director of C3, a nonprofit organization committed to conversations and connections that serve people for the common good. We have Daryl here today to be able to talk about his book, Faith Lies, Seven Incomplete Ideas That Hijack Faith and How to See Beyond Them. Daryl, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me, Stuart. Hello to the snarky faith listeners. Glad to be here. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here. And Daryl, my, my first question off, off the bat is this. So what the hell is an, an integral theologian? Can you tell us what that means? That's a great question. I think uh, the aspiring part is the prop is the word I'd probably emphasize most on that. But I, I think an integral theologian is a theologian who's trying to, as the word suggests, integrate different ideas and move beyond um, smaller boxes of faith. Um, trying to bring in overlapping places of the different face of the world. Um, not necessarily discarding the wisdom of, say, uh, Islam or uh, Judaism or or even, you know, practices like Buddhism, um, if they have uh, truth and value and help to offer. So bring those in, integrate them as best I can into my story. Hmm. And with your book, because your book, you are you are a storyteller. Uh, you tell many stories throughout this book, and it is it's a fascinating read. 
And so when I read books like this, I always feel like there's a story behind it. Uh, you know, there's something that led you to say, I got to write this, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and, and so, yeah. So talk more about that. Let's, let's talk more about like what led you to even write this book. Yeah. I mean, at this point, um, in the journey of, of bringing this book to print now, I, I can talk about things like avatars for the book, which are just like these abstract ideas of audience, potential audience. But the truth is all of this began with real people in my life, um, that I would have conversations with or have um, just experienced life with and their struggles and my struggle. Um, and one of those very real and apparent to me um, in my church was, because um, our church is very, we're strange United Methodist Church. We're very Hebraically rooted. And so we do a lot of what, um, you know, we would call Jewish things in our in our United Methodist Church. And we observe the Feast of Sukkot and Shavuot and Passover. And um, we celebrate these as a community. And um, we say the Shema in every worship service, and we, we're very um, concerned with um, not just having faith in Jesus, but having um, access and integrating the faith of Jesus, which was uh, the Hebraic faith. And early on, this is probably about 15 years ago, as that started to really take hold in our church, there were a number of people that struggled with it, um, who had no background or experience with that and would come and ask questions like, why are we doing all this Jewish stuff? And, you know, we're not, this isn't normal. And um, they just didn't have that part of the story that Jesus was a Jew and that um, the Bible was written by 99.8% Jewish writers, um, depending on how you want to calculate that. And um, that if we're going to grasp this text, we need to at least have the context in which it was written as best we can. Um, so that's definitely those in my church that were struggling with just moving beyond the, the tribal lines of Christianity into um, a Judeo-Christianity was definitely one of the um, inspirations for the book. And then I'd say um, I also part, – part of my job is actually to be – literally half of my job or more is to be outside the church, is to be um, – my title is Pastor of Education and Inclusion. And so the inclusion part is very little to do with anything on our church campus. Um, and as part of my job and also just part of my life being a human being in the world, I run into normal people who have no context for, um, I don't know, church world, church speak, um, church story. But they're still trying to make sense of their lives and they're still trying to find meaning and um, having spiritual conversations and you know, even religious conversations. And so that was definitely another impetus for my friendships and relationships that were trying to make sense of Jesus or of God or however they were wrestling outside of the context of the church. No, and this is, it's like, as I was reading through some of these, I kept reminding myself of my own like spiritual journey and even journey through minute for working in ministry. Cause I, I've been one that is probably I've worked across the spectrum denominationally wise, or as you were mentioning, yeah. you know, uh, the tribal lines. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so reading through this, I was like, man, I wish I would have had some of this when I was like younger. Cause I grew up, uh, in, well, indoctrinated in the Southern Baptist way of life, you know, which is, yeah. it's all, it's all about partying and having fun. Um, and, the, and, and so reading yeah. through some of this, like it, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it, a lot of times it gives me like words to thoughts I've had, um, yeah. you know, better than, than I could have probably done on my own oh. growing up. 
Wow, and, I'm honored. Thank you. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and, and what I wanted to do, I'm going to read through your seven lines here. And then I want to focus on the, the, the first lie. Uh, because okay. one... If you want to hear all about the next, uh, the rest of these lies, you need to be able to buy this book. That's how it works, right? So this is, That's right. <laughs> and um, and yeah, because I think I think talking through the first lie that you have in this book, I think it's what it will do is it's kind of give us an idea of the flavor, and and where you're going and your approach and kind of your heart behind all of this. But um, so here are the seven lies um, okay. that you outlined in the book. So lie number one: the Bible is the only uh, the Bible is only the literal word of God. Lie two, God is angry and doesn't like me, especially when I sin. Lie number three, the devil is God's counterpart. Lie four, I am supposed to protect and defend my God and my faith. Um, Lie five, there is one right way to believe and only one right way to behave. Lie six, faith is a private matter. And lie seven, real faith is blind belief. Now, hopping back into your first one, yeah. Uh, which is really what I want to kind of hop around with today is that the the Bible is only the literal word of God. Now, uh, we've got folks that that have been around churches. We've got folks that have never been around churches. So before we even hop into like your take on a lot of this, so tell me w- more about like why you needed to write this one portion because I know why you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been beaten by people, not literally, but... Yeah. Uh, uh, over over this one perspective here that the bible is the is the only only the literal word of god yeah i mean I, I, to be honest i didn't write this one first it wasn't the the one that drew me into um writing this project actually the first one was this i was chapter 2 this idea that um that god doesn't like us that god's just always pissed off and looking for somebody to smite um but as I kept writing the other lies, it became apparent that this was a foundational lie, mm-hmm. um, that if we were going to be um, earnest in our exploration of the other lies, we needed to start by saying, hey, let's let's be honest about what the Bible is and is not mm-hmm. from the get-go um, so that we can take it with us as we go on this journey. Um, so that's why we have to start with this first lie of the Bible is, the lie says that the Bible is only the literal word of God. And um, some of us may not get that, you know, uh, but you and I both have some shared background in our uh, upbringing. And, and so I was exposed to that. Um, and it's a strange thing that we, um, treat the Bible like divine dictation, like, uh, God called up Moses and said, you know, take this down. Um, and, um, you know, some of that's in our history and, and there's reasons for that, but, um, it sure becomes a lot less helpful when you take the human out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Bible is just a perfect, divine, dictated document, it's not very easy to relate to. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything in my life that's perfect. Um, it's not easy for me to relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is, as soon as we crack the book open, we realize it's not full of perfection at all. Mm-hmm. It's full of real uh, humans doing real human things and making the kind of decisions I make and, um, learning from them. And, uh, it's just, it's a much more tangible dirt bound book than we let it be. Um, so we have, we have to start there and, and be honest about, um, that, that, 
that's not the story the Bible's ever tried to tell. It's never the Bible's never tried to tell of itself that it was divine dictation. The Bible calls a lot of things the word of God, um, but it doesn't call itself the word of God, which is a strange thing that we do. Um, and I don't know if you've had that experience. I've had that experience where someone will quote something in a worship service, read a scripture, and then end it with the word of the Lord and all the people go, thanks be to God. Mm-hmm. And I get that. That's an honoring tradition. I'm not trying to remove that, but sometimes you read things, I don't know, Numbers 5, Deuteronomy 20, these things come to mind about, um, you know, numbers. the Numbers passage that I love, this is where it talks about um, if you if a man suspects that his wife has been unfaithful but has no proof, he needs to take her to the priest, and the priest is going to uh, whip up this horrible concoction and make her drink it. And if she burps, then she she's guilty. The word of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks be to God. And we all go, no, no, that's not okay. I mean, that's, but we have to put that in context. That doesn't mean yeah. we can't learn from that story. Yeah. Um, but just some of those disconnects, especially like when we read from Paul's letters mm-hmm. and then we say the word of the Lord. And I just feel like Paul's somewhere going, that's, that was me. That's the word of Paul. Why? why? I wrote that. But, you know, anyway, sorry, I'm digressing. No, 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 it was good because, I mean, I think that you, you brought up uh, one thing, too, that, that is huge when we begin to, to read the Bible is that idea of context. Yeah. Um, I have literally, I have literally, and I will not say where, um, I had to take a, a bonus class uh, during oh. seminary. I, it was a class I could take for free somewhere at a different seminary. And, okay. And so, again, I was, I was a man that... Sh- was not really in my tribe as I was sitting in the class. And I remember like they were talking about how do we approach scripture? How do we do this? And, and I'd mentioned it and I raised my hand. I was like, yeah. And so how, you know, how do you hold context as part of a part of reading scripture? And I got shut down so fast for oh, bringing wow. that up. And I was just like, Oh really? Okay. I know what I need to do to get an A in this class. I just need to <laughs> shut up because all I want to do <laughs> is get the heck out of seminary right now. Yeah. And, yeah. Just regurgitate. Yeah, regurgitate. And no, but uh, but but being able to hear that and and I love how you kind of walk through this idea because how we look at the Bible, how we hold the Bible, you know, what we bring to the table to even crack the book open uh, will influence how we read what's inside. Um, and 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 that's huge. And and I had been told, I know, like growing up, especially in conservative circles, that this is, it is the literal word of God. And like, even yeah. as a kid, I remember hearing that going like, God is either not a great writer because it doesn't feel <laughs> like it flows from book to book or like God's insane. Um, <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we take that literally, because you would hope that there'd be like, an, you know, there, yes, there's a thematic flow throughout the Bible. But, uh, but if I was to read any other book, that flip-flopped around from author to author that was trying to say that it was all in the same, I think we would be like, what is this we're reading? Yeah. And yeah, and and what ends up happening is I know, I know folks hold it so tightly, hold the Bible so tightly that it yeah. ends up being like the third part of the Trinity. Um yeah. and and when I see that, um, yeah, it 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 one, <laughs> it tells me right off the bat, these people are not gonna be easy to deal with. And, and two, right. um, what is it being is I, I just feel like folks are missing out yes. um, by, by any, having that kind of clenched fist. And you talk a, a, a bunch in the, in the book about how, how we hold the Bible or how yeah. tightly. So, so speak more about that, about the posture of, you know, how, how yeah. much our claws are dug into the Bible or not. 
Yeah, we when we do our dialogues, we always uh, we we are a dry erase board based ministry. So we always have a dry erase board on hand, um, and so we always have these dry erase markers. And so we'll walk into a room and we give this um, disclaimer almost every time we have a dialogue, and we'll take one of those dry erase markers and and say, "This is what you know, for example, about this, the the story of Noah. You know, this is what you learned in VBS. This is what you learned." From your grandmother, this is what you, you know, what's been drilled into you about the story of Noah. And we place that dry erase marker in, in the hand and we close our hand around it. We say, mm-hmm. now, if you hold it like this with a closed fist with your death grip on it, and someone has some new information for you to, to receive on that story, you can't receive it. It will fall off of your hand. And if you want to share what you know to be true in love, about the story of Noah, what they see when you try to share it with them is a fist. Mm-hmm. But if you'll just hold the same truth in your palm with an open hand, it's just as close to you as it was before. Mm-hmm. It's just as accessible. It can be just as much a part of your life. But if someone wants to add to your understanding, you can receive it. And if you want to share with someone else, it's much more inviting for them to receive what you have to offer. So it doesn't, you don't lose anything by releasing your death, death grip, and you only stand to gain. And the reality is when we live like that with our hands clenched around something so tightly, it's an incredibly heavy burden to carry. Um, it takes so much of our energy and so much of our bandwidth. It, if you, if you want to quote something like John saying where Jesus is saying we'll be known by our love, he's not saying we're going to be known by our death grip. On the text, he's. I mean, and so how much more energy would we have to love others well if we would just relax our grip and let the text read us a little bit more than us saying we're going to read and dictate what it is. Mm. And and I, and I like this because because I also know like and I thought you laid a lot of this out really well because as soon as I know as soon as certain folks will see that that you know the Bible is only the literal word of God, uh, yeah. it ends up like whoosh, it's it's that can trigger. A bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but also when we begin to see that, I mean, what it tells us is the tighter I think we hold stuff, the more it warps the lenses for which we see the rest of the world, the lenses for which we like read scripture, the lenses for which we uh, see whoever the other is um, in and amongst yeah. us. And, and it ends up warping so much. And I think it ends up just beginning to like warp our soul over time as well, too. I mean, it just, it, it becomes, yeah, I guess faith in a vacuum and it becomes very unhealthy to where I think at some point it's only, there's no more air and there's only carbon monoxide. And, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I quote, I quote Lawrence Wright in the book, uh, Lawrence Wright's a writer and, uh, author and filmmaker. And he, he you may know, or people may know his, um, he did a expose on the church of Scientology about five or six years ago that became a movie as well. Um, and in that research, he talks about coming up against people with what he called crushing certainty. Mm. And I just think that's the perfect phrase. Um, if I approach anything with crushing certainty, I have just assured that I have driven out all other new information, mm-hmm. all of the stimuli, all the revelation, um, movement of the spirit, however you want to mm-hmm. say, I've, I've ruled it all out. If I, if I come to anything, relationship, learning, the Bible, whatever with that. It's a, it's a dangerous place to be. And it's also, like I said, a burdensome place to be. It's, we should look upon our brothers and sisters who 
roll like that with mercy. Uh, my one of my rabbis says, look at them as prisoners of war, not as enemies. Mm, mm. That's, that, 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 that is a very beautiful and poetic way to put it, because uh, it doesn't always you don't always feel that way when you're being confronted by one of them. No. <laughs> No, it can be hard. And you do have to walk away sometimes and say, we've talked about this and we're not going to talk about it anymore. Well, speaking of that same posture too, um, uh, you kind of lay out these, these three kind of thoughts about really how we, how, how we should hold, um, you know, the Bible in that open palm. And and I want you to kind of just like uh, flesh out some of these with me here. So the first one you'd said is the Bible is a gift of God through which God speaks to us. Yeah. I mean, the reality is if we'll step back from it and, say, well, what is the Bible? If we'll step back and look at it for what it really is, it doesn't become less mysterious. It doesn't become less wondrous. Um, If I say to you, here's a library of books that were written, uh, you know, roughly over a time period that reflect stories that took place over a time period of 2000 years, and maybe were written over a time period of, uh, you know, anywhere from 700 to 1,000 years in three different languages on different continents by different people and different tribes. And in spite of all of that differentness, that there's something that connects them and that there's a thread that unites them, it's mind-blowing. I mean, you couldn't do that in any other library. You couldn't walk into a library in your town and say, I'm going to take 70 books off the shelf and find the connective thread that runs through them all. I mean, it's an amazing um, the, I do believe that the Spirit was at work in bringing together what um, we have in the in the collected books of the Bible, but um, we have to step back to see that, and if we zero in and turn it into divine dictation, it, it really leaves a lot less room for God to move. Mm-hmm. And and it also, like, I think we, I don't know if you, you mentioned this word earlier when we were talking here, or before we started the interview, but you mentioned, that, like, the idea of an avatar— yeah. And, and and I feel like it ends up like that was something that always struck me, you know, that it somehow if this is completely the literal word of God, God has taken humanity out of the picture in order to write this. You know, it's almost folks become these weird avatars that are just in some sort of a weird state, just <laughs> scrolling yeah. this down. And that, you know, that's the message that, oh, I didn't need you guys anyways. Um, right. Which kind of strikes at the core of the story. Right. I mean, yep. the story is about freedom. From the beginning. I mean, the story is about, says from the very first words that the nature of this existence, the nature of this reality is freedom. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that we tell a story where our freedom doesn't exist, like God possessed Moses and wrote the Bible through God, I mean, through Moses, well, where did Moses' freedom go during yeah. that? Um, you know, we, however, however you want to say that to whichever biblical writer you want to apply it. No, I mean, this God repeatedly works with our freedom, mm-hmm. um, and in spite of our freedom, not at the cost of our freedom, never at the cost of our freedom. Mm. Okay. So you also, so that was our first one. Number two was the Bible is full of truth and informs our lives. Yeah. I mean, I know that I have brothers and sisters out there who think it's just an old relic and that there's nothing worth um, paying attention to in there. Um, And I would respectfully disagree. I'd say um, you don't have to treat it as um, the divine dictates of God, um, but there there's stuff you can learn in there. There are, there is wisdom. There is application. There are timeless truths in there, just like there are timeless, timeless truths in the holy text of other faiths, other, other ancient faiths. So 
Um, truth is truth no matter where you find it. And there is truth in the Bible. Well, unless you ask Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani with that. <laughs> <laughs> truth okay. is the truth. Yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no one wants to ask him anything. But uh, <laughs> no. yeah, tough, um, tough interview right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> so with that, and the third one you had that the Bible is the central importance to our faith. And, and as I read through these, I, you know, I, I read through it on like multiple levels. Like the first level I was going, how would folks like certain folks, especially conservative folks respond to your initial statement yeah. that, that this is the literal word of God. But I think these are also reaffirming. Actually, I think these are more affirming, um, in so many ways for people. And then in, in a certain sense, they're freeing, um, to be able to continue to hold the Bible up the way it should be held, um, you know, out of, out of honor, out of respect, but not morphing it, it into something that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no doubt, as I wrote this first lie, and right down to the title that we keep, both of us are stumbling over. Yeah. The, the lie is <laughs> that the Bible is only the little word of God. Yeah. Um, I always had to have that avatar in mind of, of a prisoner of war, of a brother or sister whose only story they've ever been told is a fundamentalist story, is a biblical literalist story. And so they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not trying to be um, hurtful. They're trying to be earnest and um, faithful with what they've been given. Um, and so I, I needed to write these disclaimers. And so if you do read this book, you might get a little tired of disclaimers, but I needed to create space for those people. Mm-hmm. I, or at least I wanted to. I don't know if I succeed or not, but that's why the word only is in that first lie, because it would be much easier to say the lie is the Bible is the literal word of God. Yeah, but by putting only in there, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not throwing out the fact that there could be some uh, some accurately quoted texts in there. Um, I don't want to get into a historical debate about whether the point of the gospel writers was to accurately quote Jesus forty years later, but the reality is, I bet that they probably nailed some of the things he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you believe that Jesus Christ is part of the Godhead, like I do, um, then I can read those and say the word of the, that's the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to throw it out and say that there's no possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to create room for everybody to bring their stuff to the conversation, to the dialogue, including, um, our biblical literalist brothers and sisters, because we have to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And speaking of of bitter, uh, biblical literalists, um, how have you found? <laughs> what is the best way you you've you've learned to be able to dialogue with folks that are biblical literalists? Yeah, um, in first and first and foremost, and this is one of the lies of the book, right? Um, is it requires community? Um, it requires relationship. You cannot do this, Dallas Willard. Um, one of my favorite writers um, said, no one's ever been argued into the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. We get loved there. And that true words have never been spoken. I mean, to think that I'm going to write an essay or write a book or make an argument that's going to make somebody who's equally convicted have like some kind of lightning bolt moment where they go, oh, my whole life, I never understood it. But then you spoke those eloquent words and now I understand it. That never happens. That doesn't happen. We change because of our relationships, because we our experience grows. And 
So it has to be done in community. It has to be done in relationship. And if you're not going to put the time in for relationship, um, don't expect any change um, would be my, my first bit of advice. So would you say that then, wait, you're blowing my mind right now. So we shouldn't be arguing with people on Twitter, uh, oh. <laughs> gifts and memes and anything like that. That doesn't change people's minds or their hearts. Oh. Yeah, no. It's a, yeah, I know. I know that's like a big duh. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm the worst social media person to begin with. So it doesn't it, that doesn't phase me. But yeah, I, it's not helpful. I mean, no, argument outside of relationships never going to change anything. I mean, we already talked about this. Jesus yeah. didn't say there you'll be known by your your sweet and pithy Twitter. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're going to be known by how you love people. Dallas Willard, go back to Dallas Willard said, yeah. um, and this is a if you don't know Dallas Willard, you know, look him up and your brain will hurt. Uh, this is a person that John Ortberg uh, mentored under, and John Ortberg said, uh, I didn't, never wanted to argue with him because I was afraid he might prove that I don't exist. Um, he he was that smart. And, but he said, after writing all these books and giving all these ridiculously insightful lectures said 99% of what I have said and written will be forgotten. But everyone that I interacted with will remember how I treated them. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. I mean, doesn't, it matters so much less what we, uh, what our argument is just how do we love well? So that'd be my first piece of advice Mm -hmm. is do this in community um, and then bring, just like we talked about before, my second piece would be bring your own dry erase marker with an open palm. Mm. Um, you know, if you just come in with a pointed finger to try to straighten out someone else, that's not a real relationship. You have to be willing to be impacted by the people that you're in relationship with. And and they're going to change you as well. You have to be willing to be subject to change just as much as you would ask them to be. Mm. And you've talked so far about like the importance of, uh, of dialogue, the importance of community, um, especially in, in how we hold stuff. So speak more into the importance of also wrestling um, together as a community. Yeah, this is this is uh, this is just Jewish wisdom. Um, this is these are you know some of the core principles of our faith community is this idea. You don't. This is not meant to be mastered. Mm-hmm. Um, this is meant to be wrestled with. You know, back to the original wrestling story of Jacob wrestling with the divine um, in the old in the Hebrew Bible. So, this idea of I'm going to be changed by the wrestling. I may walk away with a limp, um, but I'll also <laughs> walk away with a, a blessing. Um, and it's the wrestling. It's the journey. However, you want it, whatever metaphor you prefer there. Um, but it's when we do that together in community. Um, what comes to mind is something we use a lot, and I'm sure your listeners have heard it. And I, I think it's originally an Indian uh, parable of the six blind men and an elephant. Um, we know that. Should I say that one? Go ahead and say it. Go okay. ahead and say it for those right. that have not heard it. So if you haven't heard that. Um, so six blind men approach an elephant, and they each touch a different part of the elephant and describe it to each other. And the one that touches the side of the elephant says that an elephant is like a wall. And the one that touches the 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 leg of the elephant says no an elephant's like a tree trunk and the one that touches the the tusk says an elephant's like a sword and the one that touches the ear says an elephant's like a leaf and so on it goes and six different perspectives of an elephant and each on their own is incomplete and and wrong um but put together if they all listen to, to each other they'll get a greater grasp of the whole um, and that's that's how we approach the text. That's how we approach the spirit. That's how we approach God. Uh, we have to do this in community. We are the 
only creatures in our known creation that require relationship to to exist and to survive. Um, so don't think that we can then wrestle with God and figure out the meaning of life on our own. We got to do this together. Well, one thing I want to ask you about too, just outside of the book too, um, as, as we look and, and as, you know, as in the times we've talked together and even just reading through your stories in the book, um, you are a very a hopeful person. Um, <laughs> and, and as you sit through, I know many people felt like 20 2018 we couldn't get rid of it fast enough um and and in saying that what is giving you hope right now oh man i'll tell you one of the most hopeful things that i saw all year and i'm sure this is like you know like oh that's so three months ago but it just i loved it was after the horrific uh synagogue shooting i think it was like two days later where the imam stood up in the synagogue and brought just loads of cash to give to the community that was suffering and reeling, but also said, and we're going to stand outside your synagogue while you worship and no one will get you. I mean, it just wrecked me. I'm like, yes, that's where it's at. That right there gives me hope. When you have an imam standing in a synagogue saying, we got your back. Mm -hmm. I, I can't think of anything better. I mean, I'm sure there were lots of wonderful moments, but of what I beheld, I that just I love that moment. I love that statement. I love that posture. That's very helpful. No, thank you for that too. Uh, it's one of those things too that I, with I feel like with the way the news cycles move, uh, it's those things that you kind of oh that's that was really kind of cool. <laughs> onto the next yeah. thing, or onto yeah. the bad news, or onto this, and it's it's so easy how we forget. Um, you know, yeah. the things where we ab- we're able to see, oh, wow, humanity isn't all horrible, <laughs> no. that we can yeah. come to- together to, to do Absolutely. something um, in the face of tragedies like that. And um, yeah, in that vein, I know that you you work with C3 and you do a lot of work uh, in the community like you'd already mentioned before. How how now for folks that want to begin to kind of step out of whatever that that box is that they're in, that I only hang around these type of people, I only uh, work with or volunteer with these type of people, um, for, for when people like look out into their community, um, what would your advice be for folks that want to be able to get involved and be able to be in places to have dialogue, to have community, to have different conversations? Yeah, well, you're, you're really nailing the advice and the question. And that, that's, that's it in and of itself is get out there and find the conversations that are different from the ones that you're having, uh, if, if, if you have access to a, if you're a Christian and you have access to a synagogue, go to the synagogue, call them, say, I want to come introduce myself, uh, go to the mosque. Uh, I want to, I want to learn. I want to share what you, you know, want to hear what you've got to say, have those conversations. Um, Methodists are kind of good at this in terms of, um, especially during the, the confirmation years, like we literally will take our confirmation classes to the synagogue, to the mosque, to, to the other denominational churches, and we'll make those relationships, um, at least the initial overtures of those relationships for the kids. And so I get to do that every year, um, at least once a year, which I think that's important, but it's not just in the religious world. Um, you know, find, if, you're a, if you consider yourself on the left wing of the spectrum, find a, someone who's on the other side of the spectrum from you that you trust and say, I want to have the conversation. I want to learn. I want to know why you care so much about this and just be willing to listen. Um, 
whatever it is, if you look around and everybody looks like you and thinks like you, um, that's pretty boring. And that's not a recipe for any kind of growth. You need to, we all need to have those experiences that are going to take us outside of our echo chambers and our comfort zones. No, thank you for that too. So, so Daryl, if, if people want to find you, if people want to yeah. find your book, if they want to stalk you or whatever, you know, what is your best, <laughs> <laughs> how would you recommend folks uh, finding out more about, about you and, and your work? Uh, yeah, well, so the website is DarylSmith.org. Um, you can also find the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever. Um, and then, I, I guess I've already confessed that I'm horrible at social media, but I am endeavoring to be better. So that I do have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can find me there. Ha- come with low expectations and grace and. <laughs> Um, love me into improvement. I will, I will try to do better. Well, that, that is, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so the book is faith lies seven incomplete ideas that hijack faith and how to see beyond them. Like you're saying it's available on it on Amazon January 8th. Yes. Um, if people want to find you, they can stalk you on social media or go to darylsmith.com. Dot org. Dot org. Thank you. Darylsmith.org. And uh, yeah, Daryl, thank you so much uh, for being on here today. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your journey. And just thanks for, yeah, for your transparency too. I I appreciate the dialogue. My pleasure. And thank you to you, Stuart, for what you're doing. It's very important. This is literally a dialogue. And thanks to all the Snarky Faith listeners out there. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's all we've got this hour today here at Snarky Faith. And as we end this broadcast, just a reminder that you can catch us on podcasts at www.snarkyfaith.com. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. We're out there. Well, thanks so much to Daryl for being on the show today. And as we just said, you can find his new book on Amazon. Look up Daryl Smith. And as we end this first show, 2019, uh, I will send you off with an old Scottish blessing. And it goes like this. May the blessing of light be on you, light without and light within. May the blessing of sunlight shine on you like a great peat fire so that stranger and friend may come and warm himself at it. May light shine out of the two eyes of you, like a candle set in the window of a house, bidding the wanderer to come out of the storm. May the blessing of rain be on you. May it beat upon your spirit and wash it fair and clean and leave there a shimmering pool where the heaven, the blue of heaven shines, sometimes a star. And may the blessing of earth be on you. Soft under your feet as you pass along the road. Soft under you as you lie out on it. Tired at the end of the day and may it rest easy over you when at last you lie out under it. May it rest so lightly over you that your soul may be out from under it quickly. Up and off. It's way to God. And now may the Lord bless you and bless you kindly. Amen. So I send you off on this day with the holiest amount 
grace and peace and snark. I'm out of here. Catch you guys again next week. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question-askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.